1: daily face-off podcast comes courtesy of the nation network here's your host brock segan with dylan d perfume and michael biebs Bondi. welcome ladies and gentlemen to season nine episode eight of the dfo fantasy podcast presented to you by our friends at betway if you're going to place a bet bet on betway please play responsibly Ontario only must be 19 years of age or older i'm your host brock Seagan
0: with me as always, we got Dylan D. birthday man, Michael Beebs. Bondy, beeps, how's it going, Bob? It's going good over here. Um, we had our, our first week of fantasy end kind of abruptly, but uh got out of there with some dubs. So feeling extremely confident, which is uh the last thing everyone wants to hear. Um, because now we're gonna be confident all year. But uh doing phenomenal over here, Brock. Hey, D, how you doing, Bob?
2: Hanging in, man. Just treading water after the first week of the season, two, two, and one across the five leagues. So uh I'm with Biebs though tough when I think I only got like 30 to 35 games in each matchup you know most teams uh were limited to two games some just won last week so uh yeah looking forward to kind of getting into the full-fledged fantasy hockey season here in week two
1: yeah I had a nice start as well three oh and one for me I got a tie on the last day Tim Stutzel, empty net gold to uh to flip a matchup to a tie first
0: stop me from going four and on week one. Uh, we finally allowed Brock into our league, into the one that me and D often reference. And uh and that's what happens to him week one. He he gets his win absolutely pulled out from under his feet. So glad to have you in the league, Brock. Uh welcome yeah. to the show.
1: In fairness, I did start with 10 players that I did not draft, but it actually wasn't the wasn't too bad of keepers for me. So we we were uh, trying to make do here, but uh yeah. Shockingly, the the three leagues that I, I won in, I have Austin Matthews in all three, so it was a pretty easy week to uh to own Austin Matthews. Just what a ridiculous start uh for him. But let's talk about some players who have also had ridiculous starts or at least good starts, um, and were you know, are, are too low owned for our liking. Uh, so what we're going to do is we've each picked a player under 40%, under 30%, under 20% and under 10% own, uh, that we are going to talk about that we like to pick up off the waiver wire, uh, the way a little bit different this time we're going to do it. We didn't tell each other who we are picking up and or who our favorite pickup is. And if, two of us or three of us pick the same player that just kind of solidifies just how much we like scooping that guy up off the waiver wire. So uh, D, we'll start with
2: you. Who's your pickup under 40% owned? Oh, this might make Beavs a little sour if I get to start this and end up picking his boy here because I did go with Nick Schmaltz, perennial Beavs favorite, center right wing eligible, just 36% owned on the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Perennial, point-per-game man. He's at it again. It seems to take people a few months every season to realize or remember how reliable Schmaltz is. Uh, We talk about it, you know, every year. His upside, it's going to be capped by the lack of shot volume and his pass-first mentality, but he is a seriously underrated playmaker, has two volume shooters to skate with at 5v5 and Clayton Keller and Barrett Hayton. Uh, And the Coyotes' power play looks to be improved as well with the additions of Sean Dursey and Logan Cooley to the top unit. And somehow Schmaltz is playing even more than he did last season, averaging a remarkable 21 minutes and 13 seconds a night right now through the first three games of the season up from 19 minutes and 43 seconds on average a season ago. Uh, So the caveats here, lack of shooting uh, and goal scoring upside. As a result, he's had trouble staying healthy over the last few seasons, but 117 points and 126 games over the last two campaigns with Arizona speaks for itself. Uh, And as far as assist production goes, he's as reliable as they come. So I expect him to operate comfortably around a point per game this season, but just know it's going to be assist heavy. Uh, but yeah, that own percentage is just going to keep climbing over the next few weeks. So uh, if he is still available in your league, I would act fast because he's certainly deserving of a, a long-term roster spot in standard formats.
1: Biebs, uh, I thought for sure that Nick
0: Schmaltz was going to be your pickup under 40%. Did you double down on Nick? Do you see me smiling over here? I am absolutely smiling because I did not double down on Nick, boys. I wanted to so bad. I actually like took. Probably I I went, I went to the gym. I thought about it and I came home and I was like, no. And before I I left, I was like, we're doing Nick. And when I came home, I talked myself out of it across that hour, just because I was like, you know what? It's too obvious. I don't want to just get get back into the same old, same old stuff. So I love that D took it because he really does deserve a shout out. And I wanted to, but the second guy who stood out to me, um, and I actually thought you were going to snipe this one D because it also has a pretty close to home, home hit here, but it's Arturi Lekinen out in Colorado currently with only left winger status. I say only, but that's a very uh, not that deep position. 35% owned. He has one goal at one point in three games played, but he has 14 shots on goal across those three games, fellas, and is averaging 1851 time on ice. People kind of look at Lekanen, I think, and they went in the direction of Val Nishushkin this year just because Nishushkin is currently playing on that top line. Um, But Lekanen's playing with Ryan Johansson, who, as we Referenced in other shows, used to be a pretty productive NHL player, still kind of has it in him, was close to a point per game multiple times throughout his career. Um, as for Lekin, and he is now his winger on the second line. But the main reason, and uh, it's probably quite obvious why I love Lekkinen, is he is on power play one with n- the names of Miko Renton and uh, McKinnon and Makar I don't know if you've heard of these guys, but they're quite good. And when he's out there on that power play, I think you can pretty much justify owning him. But add in the fact that him being on the second line, he is their number one shooter there at the moment. As I mentioned, 14 shots in three games. And uh, we could be in for a breakout season if he can stay healthy. 21 goals, 30 assists for 51 points in 64 games last year. That would be good for 27 goals and and 38 assists, 65 points in 82 games across a full season. That's quite good. I would like to have that on my roster at most times, that type of production. Um, Colorado currently sits first in league in shots per game. They're averaging 39 shots a game. And and he's kind of feeling that on their second line, which is what I love. Um, Those 14 shots in three games has him on pace for, and this is totally realistic, boys. 383 shots on the year. I'm saying realistic. Uh, I'm completely lying because Lekkonen has never topped more than 160 shots in a season. This is kind of what we've been waiting for to tell people to jump on him was him shooting. He's always been an option to grab, always been a nice waiver wire pickup. But we need shots and we need ice time. And he's been getting shots and ice time at 1851 a night. Um, With him currently on that second line, he still offers a productive fantasy floor but if he can move up onto that top line which there it really isn't out of the picture obviously the Shushkin works there now but if he can move up there I think he becomes I not even think he becomes a must-own almost 70% owned player so if you can get on it now I don't think it really hurts your team and uh Colorado's kind of a wagon this year the power play is only 10 percent at the moment which is good for 23rd in the league so if they can improve that which they're going to it's been three games um then it could get very interesting for like and i think he has that potential to just hover around a 70 point season and if you can do that that's uh that's very nice so i uh wouldn't mind him there especially at left wing as i mentioned pretty soft position so yeah i'll take our terry
1: so our terry was my pick as well uh Ooh, i'm doubling down on our terry Yeah. Just 4.7 shots per game playing on the top power play unit in Colorado. Uh, I don't have too much more to add. Uh, You went off on Arturi, but yeah, um, Arturi was my pick as well. But it is worth mentioning going back to Nick Schmaltz, 40 points in his last 36 regular season games. So uh, just getting it done unbelievable a couple other names that stick out under 40 percent own evan rodriguez center left wing eligible 39 percent own thought for sure that would be biebs's pick uh currently on the top line with barkoff and reinhart also on the top power play. he's had a nice start two goals three assists five points in three games while firing 13 shots on goal uh 4.3 per game so love to see that from rodriguez um, I think he's going to be one of those guys that, if he can stick with Barkov uh, on that top line, could have a really nice season. Um, you know, actually finishing the shots uh, that he's taken in the past has been the issue for him, but so far, so good. We'll see how that continues. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers is next uh, from the Winnipeg Jets, 38% on left wing eligible, uh, currently on the second line. Uh, but with the injury to Kyle Connor, I would imagine that he could get a look. It's going to be Mason Appleton uh, in the first game. Um, so is currently with Perfetti and Meshnikov, but uh, I do not think that Mason Appleton is the long-term solution on that top line. If you missed it, Gabe Velarde is expected to miss four to six weeks. I believe it's an MCL sprain. Um, And yeah, so he's going to be out four to six weeks, which is kind of unfortunate, but it's kind of good that we didn't record this episode until today because he would have 100% been at the top of our list in terms of waiver wire pickups, and then he goes out and gets hurt right away. So uh, I had a feeling yesterday that it was probably going to be pretty serious. They ruled him out almost instantly, and I was like, oh boy, this can't be good. So uh, yeah, Nick Ehlers hasn't done anything yet. Uh, Zero goals, zero assists five shots on goal in three games. But if he moves back up to that top line uh, with Shifley and Connor, he could t- take off because Shifley looks unbelievable right now. Kyle Connor looks incredible. Uh, Velarde should have, but yeah, that could be either shot. Uh Josh Norris, definitely worth a shout as well. Re- made his turn return to the lineup tonight, 37% owned. Um, started on the third line with Bathurst and Dominic Kubelik, but he's on power play one, two goals so far. The game is not over the through two periods. He's already got two goals in his return. So Josh Norris, good to see him back on the ice. Uh, definitely worth a shout. All right. Let's move on to the under 30% owned category. D, we'll go back to you. Haven't heard from you in a little bit. Who is your top pickup under 30% owned?
2: Yeah, another familiar face here. Um, This time sticking with my own guns here. Mason McTavish, center left wing eligible, 27% owned playing for the Anaheim Ducks. One of my breakout picks heading into the season. McTavish certainly got the boost in ice time that I was hoping to see. He's up to over 18 minutes a night after scoring 17 goals and adding 26 assists while playing just 15 minutes a game as a 20-year-old with the Ducks last season. He's one of the team's best play drivers at 5v5. He's at a ridiculous 18% relative Corsi to begin the season, which is just absurd. It was over 10% for the entire season last year. Um, so tremendous two-way hockey player already for for his young age, super impressive. And he's got the shot volume and the production to show for it uh, through the first three games of the season. One goal to assist to go along with those five shots on goal. The only caveat here. Uh, is we just don't know how the addition of Leo Carlson to the lineup is going to impact McTavish's usage. Carlson expected to skate on the top line tomorrow evening in his debut, could very well bump McTavish off the top power play as well. But given the talent and the upside McTavish possesses, I'm happy to make room for him on my roster while we see how how those minutes get doled out uh, and how the situation plays out with Carlson in the lineup. So, you know, tons and tons of talent. I think a top three pick from uh, a couple of years back. Uh, A guy that, you know, we've been kind of uh, calling for a breakout for the last year and a bit now, uh, and seems to have, you know, a better and stronger surrounding cast this season. We'll just see how the minutes uh, play out now with Carlson back in the lineup. It'll be interesting to watch. Uh, yeah,
1: before we go to Biebs here, I'm doubling down on Mason McTavish. He was my pick, under 30% owned as well. I actually scooped him up in one of the leagues that me and D play in a couple days ago. Uh, I was a little surprised to see he was still on the wire, given that he was D's breakout pick, but I was able to scoop him up. Yeah, he's looks really good so far. Uh, Vitrano obviously looked really good the other day. The Ducks looked pretty feisty. Uh, nice start to the season for them. So it will be interesting to see how things play out. But to me, Mason McTavish is just too good uh, for him to, you know, not play a lot of minutes, even if Leo Carlson and Zegers are getting some ice time, I still expect him to hover uh, or operate around that 18 minute mark, which is a massive boost from a season ago. So honestly, the kind of from like 30 to, to 20% owned, it was a bit of a dead zone. Mason McTavish was really the only one that stuck out to me. Obviously, the one that stuck out to you, Biebs, or D. Um, is he the only one that
0: stuck out for you, Beebs? He is not, he definitely uh stood out like a sore thumb, um, which you know you love to see because it's like, ooh, that's someone we should all grab. So I totally agree with the Mason pick, fellas. But I gotta go with Bobby Thomas, Robert Thomas out in St. Louis. This guy is just mocking ice, boys. We're talking about 2252 average in his first two games this year. St. Louis, obviously not the the, the wagon that we've kind of seen in the last couple of years, but they, they are heavily, heavily depending on Robert Thomas this year. And that's great for us in fantasy. He's center only eligibility. I think that's why he's at this 28% owned percentage, but he's playing on the top line with Jordan Cairo and Brandon sod. I don't love the Brandon sod side, but he will go. He's the, he's the Zach Hyman of this line. He's the guy who's going to go bang. And Buchnevich uh, will be there when he's healthy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll take sod in the meantime. And also he's playing top power play. Um, minutes right now, which is just huge. He's the center on the top power play, which holds its own value for just snapping pucks back to your D man. But one thing I will say about Robert Thomas, that also is probably why he's so low owned is he's kind of capped by his goal scoring potential. He's definitely not shooting a ton, which is kind of upsetting because, you know, when you're playing almost 23 minutes a night, you should be averaging more than one and a half shots per game. That's okay, though. I think that Robert Thomas can still give you close to a point per game that we saw two years ago. He had 77 points in 72 games. So people forget quite quick what happened there. It's almost like it's almost like you would you would have thought you had a terrible year last year, but then he went out and got 65 points in 73 games. He has hovered around that point per game mark for two straight seasons, which just shows us his true potential. I think people are going to start catching on to what's happening in St. Louis. And when he starts piling up those points with Kairou, you're going to want to jump on this train before it gets above 50%, above 60% because that's kind of where I, where I expect him to be at. Obviously, as mentioned, only one assist through the first two games seems like a slow start, but um, this is a guy I could really see taking off. And as you mentioned in a, in an area of this this uh, 20 to 30% where there really isn't many people standing out. Robert Thomas stood out and I almost would have put him with the, uh, if he was, you know, say randomly he got three more percent and was at 31. I would throw him in with those names. We mentioned late in uh, Brock's later segment of the, uh, of the 30%, uh, 30 to 40%. So I like Robert Thomas a lot. I think he's a great fallback. If you have the position for a center. And I think there's a lot of people who are rostering guys who get about 13, 14 minutes of ice a night who, I mean, you could go with a guy who's getting nine more minutes. He's getting defensive-like, defenseman-like minutes. Out there. Um, and he still has a positive plus minus. So it's not like he's getting absolutely buried when he's out there. Um, it's Robert Thomas. He's one of the better two way forwards in the league. So I like him a lot here. It was uh I'm glad that I didn't go Mason so that we had a we had a second second fella to focus on. Yeah. Robert
1: Thomas was the only other name that I had on the list. Those were the two names under 30 percent that I had, and above twenty, of course. Uh but yeah, it's I guess it's hard for Robert Thomas to rack up the shots when he's playing with Jordan Cairo, who's currently averaging five shots per game. 10 shots, 18 shot attempts through two games, just firing the biscuit at the net. But uh, we talked about, let's just talk about Cairo here for a quick second. We talked about him in the preseason, about how we, we expect uh, he could be a guy that takes another step this year if he sees the ice time increase, which we've seen. He literally broke in the NHL, played 10 minutes a night. Next year, 14 and a half. Next year, 16 and a half. Next year, 18 minutes. This year, 20 and a half minutes so far. Uh, so, yeah, just just uh, outstanding stuff. And if he keeps firing, you know, nine shots towards the net every single night, Jordan Cairo is going to score a shitload of goals. So, just one goal, no assist through two games. If you're listening to this and you have any possibility to buy low on Jordan Cairo, now is the time. Uh, I also talked, just, just while we're talking about buy lows, because we're not going to go into a full segment, but... Uh Jack Eichel, I don't know if you guys notice, but he's doing the same thing. He's back on his Buffalo Saber Day shot volume, just firing the puck on net at eight, an alarming rate. And the, the production so far has been pretty good. But if owners aren't haven't quite caught on, like the goal scoring upside could be absolutely massive uh for Jack Eichel this year.
2: Leading the league in shots right now, just uh with twenty five shots on goal and just I think yeah. two goals so far. So yeah, love, love to see it and hopefully some positive aggression coming that his way as well. Not has never been the most elite finisher uh he needs that volume right but uh certainly uh it you know it's early on but we've never seen his volume even reach these kind of peaks before so super exciting agreed
1: Yeah, and and if you listened to our morning report this morning, uh, we are doing episodes Monday, Wednesday, Friday, doing morning reports. Quick, just recaps of the night before and previews of the day of, and then we're going to be doing this big flagship show every single week like we always have. Um, I talked about Jack Eichel on the morning report today. So if you listen
2: to both, sorry if we regurgitated
1: some information, but not everybody's going to be able to listen to every single episode we release as much as we wish they could. Not probably... Uh, very likely, but let's keep moving down the list here. Uh, let's go to the under 20% owned category. Uh, D let's kick it off again. There's, there's, uh, there's somebody there that I know you love.
2: Uh, I got two names here. Uh, That's cheating. I know. So I'm only going to go one and then, uh, I'll double circle, circle back. Yeah, yeah. 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 You got it. Um, I guess I'll pick the one that I think you want me to go with here. That's Kirill Marchenko out in Columbus. Not sure if that was your pick Brock, but uh, that was my best guess out of the two right wing eligible only but 11% owned right now. Uh, Marchenko impressed in a limited role as a 22 year old rookie with the Blue Jackets last season scoring 21 times in 59 games while playing just 16 minutes a night. His assist totals were comically low last year, just four apples to his name. I think he went like, 20 or 25 games before he finally got an assist had about 12 or 13 goals to his name before he finally got an apple so of course he goes out and begins the season with no goals and three assists in his first three games uh so, you know, that's just the, the puck luck bouncing back in a pretty serious way there. He's still firing the puck a ton, 10 shots in three games. So it's great to see some playmaking ability already coming through in terms of the raw production from Archenko to begin the season. Second round pick in the 2018 NHL entry draft, impressed in the AHL last season after making the transition from the KHL. It was his first season in North America uh, in the time spent between the AHL and the NHL. He had 19 points in 16 games with Cleveland before getting the call-up to Columbus. Super talented young player, could see and probably should see as you should continue to climb throughout the season. Could be in for a breakout campaign if he's able to hold down a long-term spot alongside Goudreau and or at 5v5. Currently skating with Boone Jenner and Johnny Goudreau at 5v5 and already getting some time on the top power play unit. So Marchenko is definitely a name that you need to be aware of and on the lookout for.
1: Yeah, we obviously share similar views on this podcast because Marchenko was my pick as well. The Mm -hmm. shot volume has been really, really solid. Six shots the other night in a losing effort against the Red Wings. Really the only guy that was out there doing anything for the Blue Jackets. Uh, I've actually watched every Blue Jackets game or at least pieces of every Blue Jackets game so far this year. And the puck just seems to be following Marchenko around the ice. He's looked really good. Uh, He's passed the eye test and the numbers so far have been pretty solid. So uh, it's nice to see the on ice shooting percentage jump from nine and a half a season ago. And the assists are starting to pile up. I doubt he's going to be able to maintain that 17.2%. But again, it's been a couple games, not too much to worry about. Uh, He is not the name I thought you were going to go with. So let's see if Beebs talks about him, And if not, we'll
0: circle back. Ooh, a lot of pressure here, boys. Um, And, uh, and I'm really hoping you didn't snipe it or I didn't snipe it, I guess, but at 13%, I got, Pretty much a lock for comeback player of the year. Sean Couturier out in Philly. Did I hit it? I don't think I hit it. I no, um, love that Love that pick. Beauty, yeah, though. Absolutely. Um, This is a guy who is clearly on towards his good side out in Philly. And why not? He plays so well. On, I feel like I'm just talking about Robert Thomas again, boys. Um, but, uh, but this is just a different form of Robert Thomas. But Sean Couturier currently has a goal and an assist. Um, across three games he's a plus four with four pims and seven shots on goal he took 20 22 23 off due to a back injury which we all kind of most of us know about um it was crappy we kind of thought he would never even be back to hockey if, if if not fantasy relevance but he's come back and he's averaging 21 minutes a night which is absolutely insane um because i think he's just getting his motor started. Um, He's locked in on the first line. He's locked in on first power play. And in fantasy, as we know, there's so much value in just being on the top lines on any team whatsoever. So when we're talking about someone who's 13% owned, who's absolutely locked into PP1 and that first line, uh, I think it's a no doubter. We saw Morgan Frost get randomly scratched the other night. He's really the only other center in Philly I could see taking maybe some top line minutes from Couturier, but that's not going to happen. Uh, we got Scott Lawton behind him and then Noah Cates as well. So they really need to to lean on Couturier this season as they kind of bring guys like Bobby Brink, uh, Owen Tippett, who's kind of attached to his hip into the lineup. And they, I mean, this is their, this is their veteran presence. And I think we can really roll off that as fantasy owners. Um, he is, as mentioned, seven shots on goal through three games. That's not too bad he's normally not a shot first guy. So to see that production, that just kind of comes with the ice time. Um, he's a two time 30 plus goal scorer and he's done 76 points twice in his career, which kind of blew my mind when I was looking back. I, in my head, I was like, I remember Sean Couturier having a good season, but no, he's had two 76-point seasons, and last year that would have ranked him 46th in the NHL while being top 50 in goal scoring. So if he can get us anywhere close to that, I think you absolutely robbed the free agency by grabbing Sean Couturier. I know I own him in two leagues. Um, it's uh, I think I'm just going to ride it basically until it doesn't hit anymore. We saw Kevin Hayes last year have incredible value at the beginning of the year. Very, very specific point there at the beginning of the year when he was absolutely eating minutes. But, um, but we saw what happened when he when he fell out of Torts' favor. But, uh, I think Couturier is going to stay there. I think we're honestly going to see this 21 minutes of, of ice go up, which, uh, is insane as he gets fully back to health. Um, we saw him miss a practice on the weekend, came out, said it was not back related. So that's also why I could confidently suggest Sean Couturier again. Um, so I, I like him a lot here, guys. And I, and I was actually incredibly surprised i had to like triple take when i saw him that low percent owned in yahoo league so people got to start jumping on that
1: yeah sean couturier is actually one of my favorite late round targets this year I, i like he was one of the reasons that you could really just wait on drafting the center pick him up in the last round and what he's returned so far has been pretty good uh the minutes is obviously just insane just kind of back to peak sean couturier form and Uh, If he continues this, obviously uh, could have a pretty good year. But the name I was surprised that D didn't drop is this boy. Another one of my favorite late round targets this year. And that's uh, Barrett Hayton from the Arizona Codys. Pointless through three games, uh, but still has nine shots on goal and 16 shot attempts while playing 20 minutes and 10 seconds per game. So this is a lot similar, uh, a lot more similar to the ice time we saw from him at the end of last season. It's carried over to this year. We've talked about Nick Schmaltz having a really good start. Clayton Keller's had a good start. Uh, as well. So I I think it's just probably a little bit unfortunate for Hayton that he's been uh, held pointless thus far. And that's probably why he is still lingering under 20% owned. So uh, my pick was Marchenko as well. I like the wing eligibility, but
2: yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I thought you were going to team me up before we move on, but um, I just, yeah, the shot volume has been great. The usage is fantastic. The biggest concern for me is the emergence of Logan Cooley. Uh, I, it seems like Hayton still has a pretty solid, uh, and firm grasp on that number one center, um, spot alongside, uh, Keller and Schmaltz, which as you know, we talked about and I talked about so much in the off season leading up to it, uh, was such a big part of their success in the second half of last season that hasn't changed. What has changed is the power play. Hayton is playing the net front and just barely sniffs the puck at all. Uh, I think Arizona already has three or four power play goals. I think it's three, at least either way, uh, Hayton doesn't have a power play point. Obviously he's pointless um and cooley has a couple already and it's simply just from the fact that cooley's playing up high on the wall he just touches the puck so much more i think both of his power play assists have been secondary assists uh and it's really just because he's the guy handing the puck off to jersey or clayton keller uh and they're the ones making the primary play happen so hayton's only really chance at getting a power play point right now is deflecting a shot or corralling a rebound and recycling it before you know and them scoring before two other guys touch the puck so that's the main concern is he's really just barely touching the puck at all in the power play And those kind of um, complementary and secondary assists that we assumed he was going to get just with this heavy usage might not happen because, you know, as we know, that net front role, uh, it can be exciting when you look uh, just at the face of it because he's right on top of the goalie and he's so close to the net. uh, But they hardly, hardly touch the puck and it's by far the least productive position to play on the power play. So that is my main concern with Barrett Hayden. But I have moved on from him in any leagues. I still own him in every league. The 5v5 play has been fantastic and super encouraging. So hopefully, um, you know, he's the production starts falling up sooner than later because it's going to get hard to wait on a guy that hasn't found the score sheet yet. But yeah, you got to love what you see from him and his individual play. Just unfortunate that he's being saddled to a net front role.
1: Yeah, and Logan Cooley looks absolutely terrific. He looks super, super good, looks every part uh, of a potential Calder winner if maybe somebody named Connor Bedard was not in the NHL. But he is. Uh, One other name I want to throw just quickly uh, at you that is under 20% owned right now is Andrew Kopp. Uh, Is having a resurgent season, scored again tonight for the the Red Wings against the Penguins. Uh, Coming into tonight, he had 13 shots on goal in three games. He had a goal and an assist coming into tonight, including a power play point. And uh, he's playing massive, massive minutes on the Red Wings second line. That's been, uh, you know, a brand new le- look second line. They got Michael Rasmussen, JT Confer, and Andrew Kopp. They've been clicking early. The Red Wings look good. Kopp looks good. Uh, I think that he's also uh, worthy of a shout if uh, you need. And then Cock- Cockney Emmy. Yes, Barry Cockney out there. Uh, depending on how serious the uh, in or the Sebastian Aho injury is, uh, Cockney Cockniemi could move into a larger role. played like 17 and a half minutes uh, last night. He had three shots on goal, added two assists with with um Aho out. Cockniami mean, was actually a guy that I like to have. I almost took him as my breakout center this year. I thought that there's, you know, we saw some some nice production from him towards the like second half of last year when he got linked up with Svechnikov and moved out of the bottom of that lineup. And he looked pretty good. I mean, super high pick, still super young, and early on this season's been pretty solid. A goal, three assists. Um, And and the shot volume has actually been pretty impressive as well. 10 shots through four games. So uh, like Cockney Emmy as well, let's get to under 10%. Uh, Biebs, we'll start with you. Who's your pick under 10% owned?
0: Ooh, uh, I, I almost thought I was going to get accidentally teed up with your uh, Connor Bedard talk, but I have at under 10% Ryan Donato, currently 5% owned in Chicago, currently only rocking a C as his position, but, He's been strapped to the hip of Connor Bedard, so we 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 can expect that left wing status to come in. I think it's seven more games. So just just hang on there with Ryan Donato. But before you hang on, um, speaking of
1: which, did you know that Yahoo gave commissioners the that's uh, like big. like they can just change position eligibility now? It's the best. As- it was, I want to see one of the best ideas ever
0: yeah like we, we were we were laughing when when we found out because I am the commissioner in our league and I started you know tossing out threats and uh the boys are like watch now McKinnon's gonna be playing defense and we're gonna have <laughs> you know ranting on defense and i'm like yeah yeah, they they touched it on the power play that's it wasn't me Um, yeah he's playing the point of the
1: power play he's a d-man now
0: definitely something though if you do play leagues to keep an eye on if you uh if, if if you have a sneaky commissioner just make sure he's not pulling anything fast because yahoo as brock mentioned has given the commissioner basically god status and now they can add whatever position eligibility they want to anyone but at the same time uh yahoo should be adding players as they go so if you want to just let them do their thing that's probably what yeah do you think
1: it's just a laziness thing they're like we just don't want to pay attention to this anymore like you can just deal with it they're probably getting so many requests every single day like this guy's played right wing
2: for four games like why does he not have right wing status like screw this we'll just let the commissioner deal with this takes a lot of to realize that not cutting the grade when it comes to position eligibility. So, hopefully like we've said they're they're still taking it into their own hands to a certain degree. We haven't got a lot of communication on that front yet. <laughs> but yeah, hopefully it's not just completely on the commissioners to make these adjustments in season and hopefully it's more of an added benefit, but uh I guess time will tell. I'm kind of stressing that it
0: is on the commissioner now. So um, if this next part just comes out regurgitated or like trash, just, you know, this is me just stressing over my current league uh, position eligibility. But um, (laughs) with that said, Ryan Donato is a guy that I'm actually looking at in, our 12 team league. So if you're in a really deep league and you do, you know, 14 team, anything like that, this could be an absolute sneaky pickup. I'm glad that I can mention him because I wanted to mention him out of the draft as kind of a sleeper in a way um, because it did look like all preseason, he would be Connor Bedard's lime and Taylor Hall's linemate, And that's basically all he's been um, for this season. He has one goal, one assist in four games played and 12 shots on goal. That's good for three shots a game. We love dudes who get three shots a game. That's, that'll usually get you, well, it will get you over 200-plus shots if you play all year. Ryan Donato is also averaging 19.24, which is far and away beyond the 13.47. That was a career high that he had in Seattle in 2021-22. During that year, he had 16 goals and 159 shots on goal. So with about six more minutes and what many consider one of the more exciting superstars, attached to your hip I think that this is someone who you can definitely take a chance on at least for a breakout um and at least to get you some type of production on a team that really doesn't have many options that you want to own one thing that kind of stood out to me about Donato and I don't I mean I I do love going back to junior hockey but I don't love it for fantasy purposes regardless he had 83 points in 65 games in the NCAA and this was only in 16-17 so just five years ago, five, six years ago. But that does show that he has that potential in him given top line minutes to put up points. And we've seen NCAA, some top players, not even get close to a point per game. So really shows what the guy has. He's never really been given the chance. And with this type of ice time, I can see him getting over that 20 goal mark, getting over that 200 shot mark, and just being, like I mentioned, just kind of Connor's wingman. So as long as he's there at 5%, I think that he is a glaring standout as mentioned, he should be getting left wing in the next couple of weeks and that can help your team quite a bit. So keep an eye on Ryan Donato. He is uh, I think he's one of a few pieces that'll be in Chicago even next year. So that's also why I see him getting more minutes. So
2: yeah, hope I yeah, didn't I- take
0: any of your under tens boys. No, I, I was going to add like the same thing you said. It's, it's kind of easy to
1: forget that he was a second round pick in 2014, had ridiculously good numbers at Harvard, uh, never really made it was kind of a bust in Boston. Uh, and then you know was one of the more productive bottom six players in the league in the last two seasons with Seattle. Him and Daniel Sprong uh, had a yeah. good thing going in, in Seattle, and, and now you know obviously Bedard. Too. Yeah, it's crazy that he's even been able to take you know 17 shots and, and, and get 12 of them on net because Bedard's out there taking seven shots a night. So that line is just firing everything at the net. Those uh, but are de- who's you your love und- to see in fantasy? Yeah. But, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. We're all, we're basically the shot volume podcast, but D who's your under 10% owned?
2: cheating a little bit here. I'm going 10% on the nose. So excuse me, fellows, but uh, just couldn't go through all these, all four of these segments without uh, at least mentioning the name of Leo Carlson uh, center of the Anaheim ducks, just 10% owned. As I said, there's not a whole lot of context to add here. Uh, it's going to be a lot of wait and see. We've got the second overall pick gearing up to make his NHL debut Projected to skate alongside his team's two best wingers on the top line at 5v5 and Troy Terry and Trevor Zegris. Could very well go right into the top power play unit as well, uh, as I mentioned earlier with McTavish. Uh, but yeah, obviously we've got to cap our expectations a little bit. He's an 18-year-old rookie, but there is a reason this kid just went second overall in June. Upside is literally unknown. You could say it's uh, limitless right now in terms of what he's going to offer in redraft leagues this season. But with the draft capital invested in him, the talent he possesses, and the usage that he seems set to take on, for me, he's more than worth a roll of the dice right now until we get a clear idea of exactly what he's going to offer us in his 18-year-old season. But yeah, a name that we, we just got to mention and, and be on the lookout for. For me, uh, if he's available, even in region leagues, I'm stashing him ahead of Thursday night's game, just kind of getting a sense of what his minutes are like, how he looks, what his volumes like, what kind of player he even is in terms of his raw production. Uh, you know, tons and tons of talent. Like I said, there's a reason he went second overall, um, and it's never a bad idea to uh, invest in someone with that high draft capital again second overall in june so um not a whole lot to add we'll we'll see and we'll uh kind of monitor the situation on how it unfolds over the first few games for him in anaheim but uh certainly uh one to monitor and make room for your roster if you can
1: yeah he was my pick as well it's just it's like i like donato and some of these other names that we're going to talk about here in a second but like just the unknown potentially unbelievable potential that you can get out of Leo Carlson at under 10% own, just a ridiculous uh, waiver wire pickup. It's just great. And and just to add um, in practice, he is currently on the top power play unit. So what you see on DFO right now, playing with the playing with Terry, what a spot top power play unit as well. Uh, It's, it looks like it's going to, you know, setting up really nicely for Leo Carlson Obviously, like you know, you know, it's hard to compare him to Connor Bedard, but you just again, we just talked about how good legal uh, Logan Cooley looks, uh, Matty Beniers last year. Like these guys can come in and make instant fantasy impact, and Leo Carlson certainly looks like a player uh, that can do that as well. Uh, Pavel Min- Minchukov is the uh, moved up to the top power play unit in uh, Anaheim as well. Nineteen year old, uh, rookie as well, who's on the top power plane at ridiculous numbers, uh, at the junior level, and it might man, right? Yeah, it might be worth yeah. a look on the blue line if you are in those super deep leagues as well.
0: There was some people too who were saying, "Is this just because Drysdale's hurt, or what's going on here? This has got to be short term. No, this looks long term. So definitely, definitely worth a shout out, Brock. That's a that's a. I think he's. One.
1: I think he's worth a look in those super deep mm-hmm. leagues. He had 34 points in 32 games with the Ottawa 67s last year. Uh, prior to that trade, uh, he had 54 points in 37 games, 16 goals with the Saginaw spirit. So really, really good numbers Went 10th overall in 2022. And uh, yeah, like he's gonna be on that top power play unit. There's a lot of firepower there with Zegers, Terry Carlson, Strom, uh, and Minch now. So, uh, those are a couple other guys, but uh, just a few more names to drop. I do think that Lucas Reichel uh, has had a pretty decent start in, in um, Chicago, obviously a pretty highly talented prospect as well, and certainly not uh, Connor Bedard, but Lucas Reichel's had a nice start, left wing eligible there. Andre Burakoski just seems far, far too low-owned uh, for how much talent he has. I was a little bit surprised to see him as low as he was. Not the greatest start, but still shooting the puck a ton, still playing around 16-17 minutes a night. I think Burakowski, if you need help on the wings, fine. And Matt Coronado's a guy that I, I drafted uh, towards the bottom in every single one of my leagues. The shot volume has been really, really good. Uh, seven shots in three games, playing 60 minutes a night Th- thus far. That is boosted a little bit by a 20-minute performance in their most recent game. Uh, but he had three shots on goal in that game. Uh, they were talking about him in the preseason, just like an one of the crazy hard shots in the league. And uh, if he starts seeing increased minutes in Calgary, I think that Coronado could pop. And then, yeah, in no specific order or, or nothing to do with actual own percentage here, but some goalies to talk about Jack Campbell, 38%, uh, obviously season debut looks terrible, uh, comes out Nashville and stops. What was it? 41 of 42 shots was just outstanding there. It, you know, Stuart Skinner, uh, you know, we like Stuart Skinner coming in because so it seemed like he had a pretty strong hold on that job, but they seem pretty interested in, in getting Jack Campbell's big contract in the crease as well. Obviously, that's a team that's going to score a lot of goals this year. And Jack, uh, you know, while he is basically the model of inconsistency, uh, and, and it can be frustrating to own at times, he st- should still uh, be able to rack up plenty of wins uh, Anton Forsberg in Ottawa is interesting. I, he, he was 6% owned this morning. Uh, he's up to 13% owned now because he started tonight. I know I streamed him in one of my leagues. Beebs, I think you streamed him in one of our leagues as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're up six to one. So well on his mm-hmm. way, uh, to a nice stream this evening. He's up to 13%. I wouldn't be shocked if that drops down, um, by the morning and, and everybody kind of, drops them off after a pretty good start, but they seem again, pretty interested really in, in, in getting uh, Anton Forsberg and Jonas Corpusalo between the pipes. We did talk about this possibility early in the season because Allo, uh has had, you know, a pretty rough injury history and uh, you know, trying to lighten his workload uh, could be good. And speaking of Jonas Corpusalo, his former running mate, Elvis Bruce off to a nice start, a little bit higher owned at 26%. owned, but he's had a nice start. Uh, Looking a little bit more like rookie season, Elvis Merzlikins in his rookie year. Remember, this man put up a two thirty five goals against average, nine twenty three save percentage, um, and then three years after that had a nine oh two save percentage, and a three thirty six uh, goals against average. Mostly just destroyed by his abysmal season last year, a goals against average of four twenty three and a save Ooh. percentage of eight seventy six. But He's bouncing back. Uh, he's one and one through two games. He has stopped fifty-seven of the sixty shots that he has faced for a nine-fifty save percentage, a sparkling one-eighty-four goals against average, and uh, that team looks like a team that's going to be relatively competitive. You would imagine they do not have, got good. yeah, their D is improved. Zabierewski is expected to be backed uh, on Friday, and the one thing that Merzlikens has going for him with Tarasoff out, he has. No competition. Spencer Martin is not good, and the Red Wings so made Spencer bad. Martin look very bad again on the weekend. So, uh, Marzlikan should see a the bulk of the starts there for Columbus, and there's a couple goalies if you're in need uh, of them. You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth
2: more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: We talked about a ton of players that you need to be picking up or targeting on the waiver wire if they are available in your league. Going from 40 to 10%, we should have covered all the leagues um, except for the deepest of deepest. Uh, But now there's some players that you should probably look to drop. Uh, they were drafted in the middle to late rounds, not off to a good start. Probably guys that we didn't really like in the, in the preseason, uh, again, take a look at your team, take a look at the waiver wire. This isn't an all encompassing. You must just drop this guy, right? If, if, if there's not a suitable replacement for him on the waiver wire, do not drop him. But these guys are, are flirting with drop territory right now. And we'll start with one of our D busts. Tyson Barry 86% owned still one assist in four games, six shots on goal. Ugh, nothing here. So uh, I don't know how much you guys want to chime in. If you do, let me know.
2: I'll give. I'll just say a little piece again. He was, he was my bust on the blue line. Um, I did go so far as to say that he shouldn't even be drafted in standard 12 team redraft leagues. Uh, It only lasted a week. Yeah, I'd say it was going to be a waste of a 10th round pick. And here we are, right? Like, again, I'd, you know, I'd like to say I'm surprised that it's happened so quickly, but I'm not literally said this would happen. Um, just not getting that great exposure that he's gotten at every other stop in his career. Um, he is still seeing uh, some time with the first power play unit alongside Roman Yossi, but If you uh, are familiar at all with uh, the recent history of special teams in the NHL, you'll know that the Predators special teams and their power play in particular tends to let them down year after year. So just not a very productive spot for him to be in. He's hardly getting any minutes at 5v5, just not a team that's going to score a lot of goals in general. Uh, And yeah, he's a guy that's always had elite, elite top tier talent around him and getting A ton of usage on top power play units and some of the best power play units in the league. Just not the case anymore in Nashville. His individual performance and the raw production that he's able to offer, his miscellaneous stats, not going to cut it in any sort of format. So for me, yeah, barring a Roman Yossi injury throughout the year, he belongs on free agents.
1: Next is Victor Arvidsson, somehow 62% owned still. Uh, He's kind of like a fringe roster player as it is, and now he is having back surgery and he's out month to month. Not worth wasting an IR spot on him at the moment. There's better options out there. Pick up one of those better options that are actually going to maybe return
0: this season and then pick up one of these other names that we have. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that one, the percentage there really only equates in my head to maybe people have open ir spots at the moment and they're like yeah we'll chuck them there for now but uh I, I like brock said grab someone or stash someone on your ir who actually has a chance to play um i don't even really get why we would be stashing someone i mean he had he had 26 and 59 points last year like yeah, you said not really worth it. um yeah i'd be letting that
1: go David Perron scored tonight, but he's struggled. He's kind of buried on the third line in Detroit. Is he in top power play usage, but it's hard to envision him having too good of a year um, playing with Joe Valeno. So, had no points in three games coming into tonight. Uh, Like I said, did did get one on the power play this evening. Six shots on goal in three games. Probably not really worth a roster spot at the moment. Anything to add on David Perron? No,
2: Mm no. Moving
1: on, uh, Nazem Kadri is another one, sixty-four percent owned. Not a great start for Naz. Uh, you know, he was kind of always like a fringe, <laughs> fringe fantasy player. Then he went out and had like eighty-seven points in in in, in twenty twenty-two. Had a fifty-six points in eighty-two games with the Flames last year. Um, yeah, not a whole lot there. Max Domi. He was not a part of, of anything that's happening in, in Toronto right now. They've been off to a great start. Max Domi has not really factored in. Uh, hasn't really even played in the top six at all, which is, I think, what a lot of people were hoping for. Was going to see a lot of ice time. Uh, with John Tavares and William Nylander, that has not uh, developed the way that many have hoped. Uh, one assist in three games, just four shots on goal. So yeah, Domi might be a guy that you go... And, uh, and pick up again later in the season if he gets that boost up the lineup into the top six again. But as of right now, not worth it. Speaking of which, Connor Brown, many people picked him up late in drafts because he was going to be playing with Connor McDavid. And he did. Uh, lasted a whole two games. He did absolutely nothing. Now he is pointless through three games with just four shots while only playing 15 minutes a night. And obviously not sniffing that power play unit either. So smell ya, Connor. 22% owned at the moment. Not really worth a roster spot. Jordan Everly, the Seattle Kraken seemingly cannot score as a team. Now listen to this. Now this is a stat. I called it that they were going to regress this year. <laughs> I think they were a very obvious regression candidate. I don't think anybody could have imagined how much they would regress to this point. They are currently shooting, as a team, 2.4%.
0: <laughs> oh, Two? it went up
1: last night. No, it went down. It was 2.5 coming into last night. Now they're shooting (laughs) 2.4. So they're shooting 2.4% as a team. I think they're averaging like 0.78 goals per game. It has been a struggle. Again, obviously as a team, they're not going to shoot 2.4% all year. They are going to bounce back, but this is not a team that is loaded with, stud goal scorers where all of a sudden like like last year it seemed like everybody broke out kind of at the same time uh, it was just kind of a, as good as, uh, of a situation as it could have been and it's not working this year so regression has hit hard Jordan Everly one assist just seven shots in four games probably not wheels, worth the roster spot yeah yeah uh he only had 20 goals a season to go. did have 63 points was you know he's maybe somebody that you could roster again later but like if you drop him he's not going to become a point per game player and really freak you out if getting kuznetsov like i don't even know what's happening to washington they just look horrendous they got the ass their ass is handed to them uh by the senators again tonight yeah it, it seems to be like they're all just too old uh but yeah kuznetsov nothing tonight no points in three games uh, still playing a ton, but like never really shot that much. Only had 55 points in 81 games last year. Don't hold on to him thinking he is the Evgeny Kuznetsov of 2018 and 2019 when he was just, you know, 80, 70-point player. Blake Wheeler, speaking of a guy who's old. Blake Wheeler, D's boy, not any more uh no no points in three games he's averaging 12 minutes of ice time they also just elected to take him off of the second power play unit so now he's he's on he's on no power play units uh which made sense because like they had eric Gustafson on the team and he just wasn't on the power play unit for the first two games like what are we doing here like why would you have uh why would you have Eric Gustafson on your team if he's not on on a power play unit. So uh, they took Wheeler off and and Gustafson's on there. And I don't imagine Blake will be back. Just take a look at this man's minutes. Game one, 15 minutes. Game two, 12 minutes, 11 seconds. Game three, nine minutes and 43 seconds. Can I bye. guess game
0: four? Six minutes,
2: 22 yeah. seconds.
0: Yeah,
1: he's headed for Ryan Reeves territory. Uh, so he's still 23% owned. Get rid of Blake Wheeler from your rosters immediately. Jonathan Drouin, bye. Uh, I, I heard a bold prediction. I don't even remember what I was listening to the other day, but the bold Big prediction is that Jonathan Drouin was going to have 70 points. And I, I was just like, oh my God. It's so like throughout
2: bad. the rest of his career? or
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like in the beer leagues in in the next AHL? year. Yeah. Like what? it was bad. It was a bad one. Uh, but yeah, Jonathan People... Drouin... W- one assist in three games, uh, four shots, which isn't surprising. Remember, this man has not scored double-digit goals in a single season since 2019.
2: I can't um, believe the chemistry that him and McDavid formed 10 years ago against teenagers hasn't carried over. Like, unbelievable. Shot. Thought, That's right? all I was
0: going to say. People are just grabbing onto that pipe dream. They're like, it's still there, boys. Like slap him in yeah. they're getting I mean in fairness it's league. not like he
1: was getting drafted early like I think he no. was worth a flyer if it did happen great you got McKinnon's winger uh yeah. but it's been what did we say 3 games and Dechushkins already replaced him on the top line and yeah. I don't need to know if I need to tell you guys this but he does not carry the same uh value play with Ryan Johansson as opposed to Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, yeah. Alex I also Newhook think looks that's pretty last.
2: decent too Beeb sorry to bring it up. Yeah Alex hook off to
1: a start. Uh, and New Hook's definitely, you know, probably somebody we should have mentioned a little bit earlier because of the Kirby Dock news. Kirby Dock out for the year. New Hook back to the middle, going to be locking down the, the middle of that second line there. He's 5% owned at the moment. Three goals uh, in three games and has two shots on goal in every single game. So, yeah, New Hook, deep league target for sure. But that is going to do it for the waiver wires and the drop candidates. Now it is everybody's your time it is D streamers.
2: I'm just so happy and pleased and honored that you remembered, Brock. We're one for one to start the season and Brock not trying to wrap up the show before we can squeeze the streamers in. When I, I said
1: was. when I said that's going to do it, did you get
0: nervous? I was waiting yeah, for you to that. cut me off even though I knew. Yeah, I almost jumped out I- of my seat. 100% thought you you missed it. I'm going to I'm going to be honest over here. So,
2: wait wait to fool us all, Brock. Let's go, D. All right, let me just take a nice big sip of water here all right let's get into it uh we got two games on friday 15 on saturday two on sunday as always we're going to start with these skaters to stream up front uh yeah with that limited schedule we got a little bit lucky and we do actually have a team that's playing on friday and sunday that is the calgary flames so it's going to be all about the flames in this segment here uh we're going to start it off pretty high again the first couple names you mentioned here likely not uh, available in uh you know more competitive leagues or shallower leagues uh, or, scar- or excuse me, deeper leagues or anything, probably around 12 teams. But Andrew Mangiapane still worth a mention here. Left wing, right wing eligible, 52%. So that's kind of the cutoff we're going to be looking at here in terms of own percentage. Uh, and the likely own category is where Mangiapane finds himself. Could also have some nice long-term value as well, which is why if he is available, uh, my top recommendation for the weekend for sure. Currently skating alongside, or currently skating, excuse me, on the Flames' top line. Uh, with Lindholm and Hubert at 5v5, as well as the Flames' second power play unit. Shot totals still leave plenty to be desired, which has kind of always been the issue with Mangiapane. Um, he's always looked to be a really elite finisher. It's just about getting that volume up, just four shots, through three games. But he has been red hot from a production standpoint to open the year. Two goals, two assists in those three games. Again, we'd like to see that shot volume improve and for his time on ice to continue to grow if he's going to fulfill his potential as a long-term solution for your fantasy team. So grab him this weekend if he is available. He's a great bet to get on the score sheet either way this weekend, given his exposure at 5v5. And if the shot totals and usage continue to improve, then great. You've got a nice piece for the bottom of your roster. If it fails to improve over the weekend, then we can cut bait with him on Monday morning uh, after getting plenty of value out of him as a streamer this weekend. In a similar boat is Michael Backlund, at least in terms of ownership, 39% straight center eligibility for Backlund. He's yet to get on the score sheet this season, but his usage will continue to make him a viable streaming target whenever the schedule lines up accordingly for the Flames. He was a very frequent flyer in this category last year, and I'm sure that'll be, um, the norm again this season Backlund took a major step forward in his shot volume last season and that's continued into this year which is great to see despite that slow start he's got nine shots on goal already in just three games playing just under 19 minutes a night in all situations we know he's a great two-way hockey player so that usage in those minutes are going to stay up uh, may not have as much upside as a Mangiapane, but he brings a very stable floor with him particularly in leagues that reward shots on goal as a statistic i expect him to open up his account this weekend look for him to get on the score sheet book it i'm guaranteeing it right now just did it. Um, and then moving down in the ownership, we got Dylan Dubé, straight center eligible this year, which makes little to no sense at 8% owned. Um, a player whose underlying numbers and raw production in a limited role suggests he's worthy of more minutes. Just hasn't happened yet this season, playing 14 minutes, 29 seconds a game, which is obviously going to cap his upside. But just like last season, when he logged 18 goals and 45 points across a full 82 games, Dubé has produced in that limited role this season with a goal and an assist to show for his efforts through the first three games of the year. Again, upside is capped by the usage. But second line, second power play, it's a worthy addition this weekend, given the lack of uh, teams on that Friday-Sunday schedule. Uh, again, backland Mangiapani, certainly above Dubé in my preference, but if you're in a deeper league or if you're looking to double or triple down on some flames this weekend, he's a viable option. Just above Dubé, though, in my preference, I would have Brock's boy, Matt Coronado, right wing, seven percent owned the 13th overall pick in the 2021 nhl draft coronado is one to keep an eye on this season as brock said certainly the potential to have some long-term value but another solid streaming option this weekend skating alongside backland and blake coleman at 5v5 the 21 year old coronado playing over 60 minutes a night has just one goal and zero assists to show for it but the seven shots on goal are nothing to scoff at uh and he's also skating on the team stop power pulling it so uh, again he'd be my third choice behind Backlund and mangi this weekend Uh, Because similar to Mangiapane, Coronado could offer some sneaky season-long value if he's able to continue to move up the Flames depth chart. Um, And just like Mangiapane, give him that two-game tryout this weekend, decide Monday morning if he's worth holding on to. And then two more names to mention in deeper leagues here, Blake Coleman, who I just alluded to playing with Backlund and Coronado at 7%, and Adam Ruzica, 1% owned, straight center eligible. Similar to, uh, to Backlund, Coleman gets some nice usage at 5v5, and his underlying numbers have been promising, but lack of power play time really limits his upside. Uh, he is a nice bet to make this weekend, though, if you're chasing shots and hits in banger leagues. Rizika getting a chance to skate on the second line with Kadri and Dubay, Three points in, his, in, a, in as many games this season, but the lack of shot volume, just three shots on goal, and the usage still under 13 minutes a night suggests he's been rather fortunate to produce at the clip that he has through those opening three games. So don't bet on that continuing without a drastic increase in usage. And I'm only streaming him in the deepest of leagues this weekend. Uh, and then finally, if you're in a banger league chasing hits this weekend, uh, you guys might laugh, but I've literally already streamed this guy looking for some hits already this season. And that's Nikita Z- Zdorov, uh defense eligible, obviously 12% owned. Uh, like the punt in the right format.
0: Yeah, no, I, uh, I I wanted to laugh, but the guy just likes to hit and he likes to hit hard. So, okay, you can have your zadorov punt. There you go.
2: Rock, anything uh, to add? Thoughts? Concerns? No, I
1: just, I just hope that uh, a lot of the players that you just mentioned are already on daily face-off users' teams because uh, I did my strength of schedule post at the start of the week. Calgary Flames had the best schedule in the NHL this week, uh, much thanks to a Monday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday schedule as well, and just super, super easy matchups. Columbus and Detroit on the weekend. Detroit's been obviously a lot better this year. Um, but yeah, so nice matchups for the M and, and yeah, like managing was 44%. He's gone up Coronado 6%. So, uh, hopefully they do some damage for the fellows this weekend. And, uh, yeah, that D streamers brought you by two
0: teams, not playing on, on Saturday. So that, that's quite impressive. It's them in New Jersey, not playing on Saturday. So that, that's all the more reason to stream some Calgary fellows, but yeah, he exactly. also gotta... has goalies Brock. So you, you had, you had
2: to, you, you couldn't. <laughs> Couldn't go a full episode without doing it. Couldn't, Uh, But yeah, we're going to talk about Columbus and Detroit a little bit here in the goalie spot starts. We're looking at back to backs this weekend. Going to list them all off and then we'll focus on the ones that are actually applicable here. Anaheim is in Arizona on Saturday versus Boston on Sunday. That's a hard pass. Uh, Only in the most desperate of situations should you be starting an Anaheim goalie on a back to back against the Bruins. Uh, but again, I mean, it's Sunday, you never know, right? If you, you could get Beach the wire and some of these other options. So I won't judge you if that's all that's out there, but that needs to be the bottom of the barrel for your, uh, options. Now, Boston is in LA on Saturday and again at Anaheim on Sunday. Uh, but both Swayman and Allmark, uh, above 90% owned. So you're not going to find either on your waiver wire, uh, Columbus versus Calgary Friday at Minnesota on Saturday. Merzliken a viable option on a uh, small Friday slate should he get the nod against the Flames. Conventional wisdom would suggest the starter gets the first game on the back-to-back. But keep in mind, that obviously means you're going to be handcuffing yourself if you do plan on streaming some of those Calgary skaters we just went over. Uh, But still, Merzliken off their tremendous start, as Brock talked about earlier, the 950 save percentage through his first two games. So he could still potentially provide quite a bit of value to your splits, even if it is in a losing effort on Friday. Uh, And in points leagues, he should rack up a ton of saves as well. Uh, and then Brock's Red Wings at Ottawa on Saturday versus the Flames on Sunday. Uh, I'm assuming it's going to be one of Lion, uh, Alex Lyon or, or James Reimer versus Calgary. Again, the assumption going to be Reimer. Yeah, 6% owned. Um, you'd think he'd get the nod over Lyon after his shut-up performance over the Blue Jackets on Monday. But with three goalies on the roster, still a situation that you're going to need to monitor over the weekend. Uh, And again, if you're streaming Calgary skaters, you're putting yourself in another handcuff here on Sunday, but options are limited and the Red Wings shouldn't be anything more than slight dogs to get the win at home on Sunday. Uh, And finally we get to what in a vacuum would be the number one spot start in goal this weekend. Unfortunately, it looks like it's going to happen on the 15 game Saturday slate that's semi and Varlamov at just 8% owned. The Islanders are uh, at home to the devils on Friday before traveling to Buffalo on Saturday. And again, the only issue here is that that start in Buffalo is likely going to be the one that, Varlamov picks up and it's going to be on the busier 15 game slate. So uh, there's a really, really good chance you already have two options uh, available on your team that are going to be uh, above Varlamov. But you know what? He's still probably going to be a top 10 to top 15 option. Um, There'll be should be slight favorites on that road matchup. Uh and you know, there's an off chance that you would still have an open starting goalie spot. So still wanted to give him mention here. Um if you do need uh if you do have room for a goalie on Saturday, I think Varlamov is worth the addition. So uh again, Varlamov, but Saturday, he'd be my top option. Reimer or Lion or Lyon, excuse me, on Saturday, probably gonna be Reimer. Uh, and then Merzlikens on Friday. Again, the two caveats there, it's against the Flames, who we're kind of stacking up on the other side of the puck. But that's just the uh, that's just the reality when we only have two games on Friday and Sunday. So we're limited in our option, but there will still be some spot starts out there this weekend that have uh, a legitimate chance to pick up a W and shouldn't come uh, as a complete and utter risk to your split. So uh, there you go. Those are the streamers for this weekend. We'll keep oh, receipts. Oh, we're done now? Yeah, the article will go up Friday morning on DFO, so we can, uh, as I said, keep the receipts this weekend and call back next week on on just how hard all these guys hit over the weekend.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, just to give you some idea here, I, I went back looked at all the back to backs last year. Uh, Sorokin started eighty percent of the first game with uh, Varlamov going um, only twenty percent of the time, and then given the matchup this weekend, I think that that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Um, Obviously, like the Ducks don't look great, but we said they they could be better. The Bruins we think aren't that great. Dostal looked really good in his uh, season debut. Maybe that 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 Anaheim start on Sunday might not be the worst thing if you if you get stuck in a corner with Dostal on Sunday against the Bruins. I mean, it's yeah, I not would great, say, but it's, yeah. it's not the worst.
2: I think if I you're in a situation where you're kind of losing slightly across the board, it, it could make sense, right, to avoid. Uh, the start against Calgary, if you're going to be loading up on flame skaters, certainly that gives you a little bit more upside in terms of what the overall outcome could be for the night. Uh, if you're not playing your goalie against all those uh, skaters that you're stacking up. So uh, yeah, it's a good point for sure. That
1: is finally going to do it. I, I don't think I cut you off anymore. So that is it. That is the end of the eighth episode. Season nine DFO fancy podcast presents you by our friends at betway. I'm your host, I'm proxy. We've we got Michael B's Bondi, Dylan D birthed See
0: you guys back here next time. Cheers. Go hit that waiver wire. Pick up all these names. Peace.
2: Hey, it's
0: Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?
2: Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing.